0: TRP is a theologically progressive Baptist church in Salisbury, Maryland. This is our podcast. Just a note for this podcast, at uh, one point, Josh becomes overcome with emotion, much like Jesus in the temple turning tables, and um, uses language not suitable for little ears.
1: Tessa and I getting in the Christmas spirit.
0: I uh, set up my Christmas tree the other day. You did? I didn't decorate it yet, but I set it up well just to bring a little cheer into my home.
1: It's a good time for cheer because the world is as it is. I'm thinking about getting two trees this year.
0: <gasps> you should.
1: Yeah, we got that little landing place with the window that looks out. I mean, they're going to put one in the window for the, for the people. Mm-hmm. You know, on the landing mm-hmm. or in the library, which is really just a former formal dining room.
0: It is. But it's a nice little library space.
1: That I've turned into a library space so I can get my, my books right. My kids have told me, and my wife as well, that I've taken over the entire house because we're sitting in Jude's old room, which is now the makeshift recording studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the formal the former formal dining room is now the library. So, Which
0: is directly below us. Yeah. So really it's just one quadrant. Yeah,
1: it's true though. I've, I've, I've put my mark on a lot of different places here mm. in the James household. But welcome to the podcast. We will be back to what to what you all came for. I know the Gospel Mm -hmm. of Mark. Mm -hmm. It's our favorite of the four Gospels. And this week we're looking at a lectionary passage that was the basis for our Sunday conversation. Again, just to just to bring people up to speed, we've sort of done away with formal sermons. And instead, we are now using the lectionary passage to inspire some conversation. We think that dialogue is a little bit better than monologue, so in most cases I'll be up there leading a conversation with some of the things that I've learned along the way, but inviting all sorts of commentary, questions, thoughts, considerations from the people, which makes for a lot better of a time i think
0: i like the interactive um aspect of it for sure
1: yeah and people are bringing all sorts of different experiences to the table and it it helped us to have some good conversation about this passage in particular because it is an interesting one i think it's familiar to a lot of people but there's some different ways that you can turn the gem as they say get a a little different sparkle Uh, people (sighs) Oh, yeah. Is so, that what that means? So biblical interpretation is a, a turning of the gem, so you can see the light catch it in different places. But mm-hmm. you gotta like have that. gotta have people being able to to spin that thing for you. And in most of our settings, I would say people are after the one right reading. Mm-hmm. They don't want to spin that gem. No. You know, they want they want the thing that it is, and and that's where they they go for. But there's lots of different you know perspectives and opinions that you can get. Just from the you know the different experiences that people have as they read the bible so in order for us to understand this passage we're going to have to do some review as you may or may not know the lectionary provides us with four passages each week and it does a pretty decent job of staying within the narrative specifically of the gospel text although in this particular case it sort of moved us ahead a couple of chapters so there's some things that we need to recount in order to understand what this passage is about. So in the narrative of Mark, Jesus has entered Jerusalem for the very first time, and he does that in chapter 11, the famous story of Jesus and the, the triumphal entry. He tells the disciples to go get him a, a coat that's never been rode, and I tell you, Tessa's smiling because she knows exactly what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I remember clear as day some pastor preaching from that story of the triumphal entry of Jesus. And the point was, Jesus rode a colt that's never been rode. You should drive a car that's never been drove. <laughs> and I tell you what, he had a video going with it. And my man was in a convertible red BMW in, oh, a, in wow. a, like a little cul-de-sac in front of his house. And he just kind of burned out and took it around the corner.
0: I've never driven a car that's never been drove.
1: Ever? Mm-mm. Well, I mean, nobody, I guess, technically, would ever hop into a seat with zero point zero miles on the car.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. No. I've never somebody. A, I've never had a new car. Is yes. Thing.
1: Okay. There you go. Well,
0: <clears throat> I mean, I don't care that much. Something to strive I for. Don't, I don't care. <laughs> no.
1: And this this passage, Tessa has has nothing to do with you getting. A new red convertible BMW Correct. in your in front of your your big old house. Mm-hmm. Um but in this passage, Jesus shows up to Jerusalem for the very first time, this grand triumphal entry. People are like throwing their coats on the ground, they're singing Hosanna, they're they're proclaiming him to be the king that everybody has been waiting for. It's 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 a moment. It's a mood, as the kids would say. Mm-hmm. Um and this is weird because in Mark. And also in Matthew and Luke, that's the very first time that Jesus shows up in Jerusalem at all. Which is very different from the Gospel of John. Jesus, in and throughout John, is hanging out in Jerusalem numerous times. So scholars try to figure out like how many times was Jesus actually in Jerusalem. Um, and specifically, if you're thinking about the festivals that would have brought him to Jerusalem, then you can think about... Well, how many years was his ministry, and a lot of people land on you know, two and a half to, to three, somewhere in that, in that range. But the story of Mark is weird because it's, it's been moving to this moment of Jesus entering into Jerusalem, which we all know as readers now 2,000 years removed from the story. When Jesus enters into Jerusalem, this is like he's, he's moving towards his own death. In fact, What's happening in the Gospel of Mark is the author has structured this moment, this Jesus entering into Jerusalem, as a span of seven days that begins with his triumphal entry on Sunday. As opposed to the other Gospels, when Jesus goes into the city, he he doesn't immediately cleanse the temple. That's what I'm talking about, cleansing the temple. What am I talking about?
0: Flipping tables.
1: Flipping some tables, making some whips, driving out the money changers. Uh, Different details and different stories. But Mark is the weirdest because Mark has Jesus going into the temple precinct, looking around on what would be Sunday night, and then saying, All right, boys, let's roll. And they go back home to get a good night's sleep. And the next morning, they show up and flip some tables. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's not Jesus in a fit of rage. Mark has Jesus as very thoughtful, um, very deliberate. premeditated. Premeditated, exactly. And some people would even say that this is a piece of choreographed street theater, which I love that. This idea that Jesus isn't just taken over by emotion, but he was intentional about going into the temple to make a scene as the prophets in the Old Testament would do. It's called a sign act. He's doing something that can be interpreted. So he's flipping over the tables, and he's saying, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. This is a a big moment that has to do with the temple, the practices of the religious leaders, specifically around... um, the money that was being taken for sacrifices. you got people coming into Jerusalem. They're not going to bring a bunch of cattle with them to sacrifice. So what they would do is they would go into the temple and they would pay for a sacrificial animal there. So you've got all this sort of stuff with, with commerce and potential extortion, potential ripping off of people. Jesus is pretty ticked about this. So in Mark, you've got Jesus shows up in Jerusalem for the first time on Sunday, gets a good night's sleep. On Monday, he throws over the tables and says a lot of things about the, the temple. And then on Tuesday is where we are in our text. Uh, but just to play this out, he does a lot of teaching on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, he's anointed at, at Bethany. Um, woman comes in and, and dumps some ointment. I believe in Mark's version, it's on his feet. Although there's, again, there's different uh, different versions of that story. Then on Thursday, we have the Last Supper The prayer in Gethsemane, uh, Jesus saying, take this cup from me if you can. And then he's arrested, which leads into his crucifixion on Friday. So Mark has this entire week structured out, which is dissimilar from other Gospels. Another clue that this is an intentional shaped retelling. But we're focusing on the Tuesday account, which consists of a couple of chapters of Jesus going back and forth with the chief priests, with the scribes, with the elders, with the religious leaders, with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, with whoever is in charge of the uh, religious moments of, of the day in, in, in and around the temple. Jesus is like sparring with them. Because after he flips over the table, people are ticked. The folks in charge, in fact, want to find a way to arrest and kill Jesus because of his sign act because of because of his prophetic activity in in the temple. So the next day they show up and they say, "On whose authority are you doing all this? What gives you the right to do this?" And Jesus doesn't answer that question. In fact, he poses a question to them and says, oh, "I'll answer your question if you answer my question." Classic Jesus. Did you see that thing um Jared Bias is author of a book called Love Matters More. And in one of the chapters of that book, he he talks about how Jesus is asked, I think something around a hundred and sixty-ish questions in the gospels. Hmm. And the amount of questions that he answers directly, three. Whoa. Yeah, so so Jesus is not the straight shooter, you know? No. It's like answer this question. Oh. I will if you answer my question, and that question was about um, John the Baptist and whether his baptism was from heaven or from humans. Which the religious leaders decided, well, this is going to be a bad decision if we go with either of these options, so we're going to choose to abstain from the question altogether. And then Jesus says, well, I'm not going to tell you what I'm what I'm up to, either. <laughs> so it just it just keeps this couple chapters worth of, they're going back and forth. Jesus tells this really pointed parable, which the, the the turn is the bad people in the parable are the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And they they keep getting ticked. And Jesus is like taking off the gloves and he's taking some shots and the religious leaders are taking some shots back at Jesus. And we have this going on for a couple of of chapters. And all of this back and forth On the Tuesday in Mark's structure, it leads to our passage here. Which I think instead of um, reading all at once, we're just going to kind of walk through a little bit together, okay? And I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible. That'll be the base for the commentary that we have on it. But I, I think it's good for us to consider Jesus as exasperated, frustrated, ticked, angry. Remember, he's just turned over the tables the previous day. In In this moment, he's had a lot of interaction with different people. They keep coming up to him and asking him questions, trying to trick him and trap him. And it's led to this, where Jesus says to his disciples, "It's it, as he was teaching, he says, watch out for the legal experts. Uh, the term there is actually scribes, and this might be referring to priests or Levites because, he goes on to say, they like to walk around in their long robes. Now These are the feastal garments. These aren't the everyday robes that the priests would have worn. These are the special ones. Mm. You know, when you're, you're cruising out in town, you're like, I gotta put on my, my sweet...
0: <clears throat> my golden robes.
1: Yeah, I was trying to make it more... <laughs> Oh. Like today, but I don't, <laughs> don't
0: even... ride around in a with a golden robe on.
1: No, but I couldn't think of anything cool because mm. right now I might be wearing my Air boot Jordan cut. Is... I might be wearing boot cut pants right now. I can't, I can't quite <laughs> decipher. It's right on the if it's cusp. a flare
0: there at the bottom. Or... I think it might be a straight leg.
1: I th- I hope it is. I- I'm not I'm not about that boot cover. I cut think light. it's
0: just a little long, and so it makes it look a little bit flare. I'm also
1: wearing my five year old LL Bean house slippers right now, Hey-o. so so <laughs> I don't know that that flare is gonna really be accentuated there. But I don't I don't know cool clothes. But like they're walking around in their cool clothes. It's not the everyday robes. This is if you've seen Midnight Mass. Mm-hmm. It's remember when the guy comes back and he start he starts his first service his first mass with the gold vestments yes and inspires the wrath of that really terrible woman oh my
0: gosh you're like i'm ready awful i'm
1: I'm ready for you to go yeah somewhere
0: and she'd never she
1: let's not spoil it let's not spoil it
0: likes to hang out
1: she's she's everywhere and anywhere and she's like you shouldn't be wearing those gold vestments father you should be wearing the green because we're in ordinary time did this come up before have we talked about this before i yeah. I'm high on this show right now. It was such a fun show. Fun is a that's a bad word. Interesting <laughs> that's, word. That's the wrong word. It is it,
0: intense. It was
1: an interesting and thoughtful show. And yes. I've I've now since gone back and I've watched um, the House on Haunted Hill. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Hill. The Haunting of Hill House. That's okay. the one. Same writer, same director. Oh, really thoughtful. Oh, Bo- both are really thoughtful. Now that one, there's yeah. one part where you will pee your pants
0: challenge accepted
1: okay i mean and it it'll it will not it's not a scary show really but there's a couple freaky freaky parts okay and one is going to be like whoa okay Okay. i didn't want to scream into the microphone yeah all right so the legal experts describes the priest-like people they're walking around in their long robes these are the feastal garments this is actually a word that's used in the septuagint Tessa, what is the Septuagint?
0: Oh, please don't ask me that.
1: Okay, the Septuagint is the Greek <laughs> translation of the Old Testament.
0: The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Right, so
1: so the, the same language that the New Testament was written in. Sometimes we can go back and find these words in the Greek translation of the original Hebrew, and you can find some ties there. It's interesting because most of the Gospel authors and the New Testament authors were using the Septuagint, so when they're trying to make an echo back to the Old Testament, they're going to be using some of that Greek language so you can tie those words together. Anyway, this is the word that that is used to describe the garments of the Old Testament priests. Okay, so the legal experts, the the scribes, the priests, they're walking around these long robes, these feastal robes, these not everyday robes, these things that are meant to call attention to themselves because they want to be greeted With honor in the markets, Jesus says. They long for places of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. All of these descriptions, the long robes, the wanting to be greeted with honor in the markets, the longing for places of honor in the synagogues and the banquets, they're all indicating the same thing. These people want to be seen and they want to be praised in public. Mm -hmm. Especially this last bit about they long for places of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. So we're talking about in the formal worship settings, they want to have the seat that is meaningful.
0: I'm flashing back to Gilmore Girls, and Emily, Lorelei's mom, is part of the DAR. And there's this one episode where she could... um, she she gets the first cup of tea poured at these events, and apparently that is a big deal. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal. And Lorelai goes on a date with this guy, and she's worried that she's going to lose her first pouring of the tea.
1: Ah, because got the controversy.
0: she got it from someone else.
1: Never seen Gilmore <clears throat> Girls. So good.
0: It's on a perpetual loop, pretty much.
1: Is it better than Parenthood?
0: It's different than Parenthood. Okay. Parenthood to me Yeah, it's just different. Okay.
1: Too different to even draw a comparison. I get that. I, I get mean, that. I mean,
0: yeah. Parenthood you cry pretty much in every episode. Good well, More Girls is just like an easy put it on in the background.
1: hmm Do some photo editing.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: As you got your shows going on. I see I don't have any work that I can just put something on in the background. Yeah. I can't I can't really read with shows no. on. But yeah, that's the thing. Very, This is very much like Lorelai getting that first T. <laughs> because in the ancient world, if you had certain seats of honor, it was, man, it meant a lot uh, to the people around because it demonstrated the status that you have, the image that you hold, the, in some cases, the power. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm flashing back to my early church days, and this is like right in the vein of TBN. Trinity Broadcasting Network, which mm-hmm. was that channel on everybody's cable with the the pastors with, you know, coiffed hair mm-hmm. and their wives with huge bouffants. <laughs> That's a technical term. You learn it in seminary. The bouffant hair. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of hairspray going on. But also like this, this weird churchy furniture that doesn't really appear anywhere except on the stage of a church in the mid 90s
0: really yeah it's, like what
1: i can't i mean this one in particular was like it was it was tan and it had like these gold stripes but what happened was when whoever was preaching they would do their thing and then that's a couple of the staff members would be in the chairs on stage and it's like all right um, okay i
0: see you i sitting see in you up there golden tasseled chair yeah
1: well there was no tassels but it's like Maybe it was one of those high back chairs. It's not comfortable. Like a wing, wing back chair. Yeah, you're not gonna put it in your family room to watch a football game. It only maybe
0: like formal living room for maybe
1: because that's the same sort of. It's really uncomfortable. It doesn't usually look very good, and it has no serviceable function.
0: No one really ever sits in formal except
1: that maybe rooms. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Did you open your presents in your formal living room at no, Christmas? We did. See, we had that formal living room, and we would oh, go in there wow. for Christmas. And that was pretty much the only time we ever went in there was to open presents. Weird. Interesting. Okay, so anyway, I feel like the segues are
0: hot. <laughs>
1: hot this week yes. on the mic. All right, so these people, as you can tell, they're walking around in their long robes. They want to be greeted with honor in the market because that's in public. They want people to come up to them and kiss the ring and fawn all over them. They want to sit in places of honor in the worship settings and also at banquets because when you threw a party... The way that the the dining room, say, would be structured is kind of couches. People were reclining. They were sitting. And if you could get close to the host of that party, it meant that you had a certain level of of status within the group. So you're not going to put the person that you're not close to and the person that has no means or... Um, you know, that's not held in high regard, that person's not going to sit next to the host of the party. It's for someone else. And that's the type of people that these guys were. They wanted to be those people in those settings, Uh, which all of this flies in the face of what Jesus has been saying throughout the gospel. The first will be last and the last will be first. You know, if you want to be great, you will be servant of all. Mm -hmm. But these folks who are in charge of the religious structures of the day, they were going in a different direction, in a more worldly direction that was about showiness and uh, receiving public acclaim and wanting seats of honor. Tessa, do you think that preachers in sneakers is a point of comparison? I'm talking about that Instagram page that is devoted to evangelical pastors and their sweet air jordans
0: with the price tag yeah. on them
1: yeah it'll be like a side by side of ex famous mm-hmm. pastor with his really expensive shoes and then the like the marketplace value on the other side of what these shoes go for and they are not cheap no we're not talking i mean ll bean makes a nice slipper which is why <laughs> i've had it for 5 years you know Quality. Um, i'm not going to i'm not going to shake my head at it yeah but i'm also not going to find myself on Preachers and sneakers. No, in in nearly any of the shoes that I own. No, I do. I do. There was a time where I was like years, and I kept saying to Kate, "I was like I really want some Air Maxes for my birthday."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And every year we would go into Foot Locker and Finish Line and whatever other stores uh-huh. exist. I don't. Yeah. Stores, remember those? Remember when those? You, when you went to the-
0: remember when you didn't shop on the
1: internet? I know. And I would like look around and be like, nah, those aren't the ones because I had these really specific ones in mind. You mm-hmm. know, they're like a hundred bucks, but it, it took me years and years to get them. Maybe, you know,
0: do you wear them ever? Yeah, you do.
1: And when I do, people say, you shouldn't wear those shoes, Josh. You're not sporty. <laughs> Which is oh like, what are you talking about? Collegiate soccer player here, collegiate baseball player here, not sporty. Get out of my face. Yeah. But maybe that just means that, you know, my my fashion sense is so keen.
0: That's probably what it is.
1: What am I doing? I'm digging my own grave here because I'm I'm trying to be the flowing robes right now. You
0: are. You You know, I'm like, "Ah."
1: but do you think that that Preachers and Sneakers is a point of comparison here? I think
0: there's some comparison you could draw there.
1: I, I was working at a church one time and my buddy was set to go on stage to lead worship. And he was wearing, you remember those? This might be this might predate you. I've got ten years on on Tessa, so some of the things that were you know in my world mm-hmm. were were not in Tessa's world, but you remember those Adidas shoes that had like the hard top they i think they were oh. called the gazelles, mm-hmm. so like on the top, like mm-hmm. where your toes are' is, like this hard top, and he had they were all white um with like I don't know navy three stripes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a pastor on staff not the lead pastor but a pastor on staff came up to him before he went on and said man you can't wear those shoes what doesn't fit the image <gasps> Yeah.
0: what was the image cooler what better
1: more hip like at that time maybe throw on some chucks man i you know? hate that throw on some doc martens because see all the kids think they're cool now with their doc martin that has been around forever well, they have, yeah. And then they go they Fashion come and they go. Fashion is cyclical. I have a pair of Doc Martens that I wore to college in 2002 and I keep them under my bed because they keep coming back.
0: But have you worn them since <laughs> they've been there? Sometimes. Really?
1: Yeah. Sometimes. They're low top low top brown leather. They're huh. so sweet. I love them. Got some black ones too, but Doc like Doc Martens are not cheap either. No, cuz if you're going to spend 100 whatever dollars on shoes, keep them under your bed yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. I did just break out Sorry, folks. This is this is all over the place. But I did just break out a, a pair of shoes. Um, they were Chucks. Mm-hmm. I wore them to my wedding in 2008.
0: Yeah you, did. yeah, you did. Actually,
1: no. Yes. No. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I bought them for my wedding. Yeah. Kate was like, yeah, you can wear those. And then the night before, she's like, don't wear the Chuck Taylor's because all we'll see in the pictures is your white. One- oh, my <laughs> god, <gosh. laughs> it's, it's the white thing on the on the front so i didn't i wore flip-flops which goes completely against my my being i'm not a flip-flopper well, you were
0: a was it a beach wedding beach no eat?
1: it was a golf course it so it was it was i mean it fit it was fine yeah yeah it was fine anyway so i had i've had these shoes since 2008 and they're like i pulled them out and i started wearing them like two weeks ago mm-hmm. and they're like so old that like they had dry rotted so the oh, so the no. bottom <laughs> <So the> bottoms <laughs> of them kept falling off and i had like the 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 souls that talked you know like the oh uh huh you know what I mean
0: I had fake checks for a long time what were they called pay they were from Payless I don't know huh we got a lot of shoes at Payless back in the day
1: well (laughs) I am so preachers and sneakers yes I think
0: there's yeah I think there's a point of comparison there I mean it certainly seems like the pastors that are on that account they're they're going to be they're looking to be cool yeah. in their shoes on so, a, preaching to a, however many people on a Sunday. And it's
1: not just shoes. I mean it's it's an entire image. There's a yeah. there's another church that's massive. We're talking ten or so satellite campuses that'll pipe in the sermons from the main campus guy. And it's too much for me. The main well, we can set that aside for a different day. Okay. The main campus guy, very well known. And he, he like sets the trends. So he'll preach in hoodies that are really long and they like go, you know, mid thigh down to mid thigh. And then like in a couple of weeks, you'll see all the people in the room wearing long hoodies. That makes or like, me
0: feel so weird. They're yeah,
1: like deep V's, super deep. I'll tell you right now, people do not want to see me in a deep V. No, they do not. No. With like some some chains and some I
0: just had a flashback to that SNL skit about the deep V and the V just keeps getting
1: deeper. (laughs) Well, that's what's (laughs) happening in Christian culture. Uh, That the V is getting deeper and deeper. Yeah. I will say that back in high school High school, I had a gold chain with my soccer number on it, number nine. Oh son.
0: wow. Yeah. <laughs> did you wear it all? The yes time? I did.
1: Of course oh, I did. Boy. I probably gave it to a girl at some point to wear. I can't I can't guarantee that's that. A but anyway, no offense, like, so that's he, a lot. Anyway, like so he's setting the entire culture that then gets replicated with the people in the seats. And I Tessa, I'm not above this. And I don't I don't know if you're necessarily above this too, because anytime you're in front of people you want to look halfway decent. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Maybe not like I want to look super cool and is this the but you coolest want to thing?
0: Dress for the job. You want to wear something that looks nice on a Sunday. To well, me anyway. What do you
1: think the, the the difference between flowing robes, seats of honor is versus I got this really cool t shirt. Like you wore a really cool sweatshirt a couple weeks ago. It's got that skeleton on it. Yeah. What was he doing? He was drinking um, coffee drinking coffee. Yeah. yeah. Like that's cool. Yeah. What's the difference between, like, buying and wearing cool stuff and what these religious leaders are doing?
0: I mean, it seems like a lot of it, oh, what's the difference between those two things? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like a lot of it is your attitude about it. Like, I didn't wear that sweatshirt so that people would, I wore it because it was a Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so I could match my dog.
1: <laughs> there we go. she has uh-huh. a Which is not cool.
0: That's fine. I'm fine with that. <laughs> and i don't the the people who seem to be dressing to to look cool are dressing because they want people to notice yeah they
1: they want to be i bet some of these pastors that get on preachers and sneakers are like whew, i made it
0: ew i hate that
1: so much i don't know if that's true but like i i made it cuz I, I, mean, I, I spent be surprised. you know a lot of money on these j's and i'm glad that somebody gets to see that i have them
0: Yeah.
1: So there's a lot going on in this passage. And remember, remember, this is the day after Jesus had been throwing over tables. Jesus has a lot of pent-up aggression towards the temple complex. And what I mean by that is the sacrificial system, not in the sense of sacrifices are bad, but in the potential extortion of the people. I think also
0: like the, the whole thing about you've turned my temple into a den of thieves.
1: Yeah. Turn my dad's temple into a den of thieves. You
0: turn my dad's temple into a den of thieves.
1: Yeah,
0: um, is that these preachers who are buying these thousand thousands of dollars
1: uh, uh, are
0: using the money that people uh, paid them? Uh, keep going to to buy these fancy tennis shoes. Now here's
1: what I will not do because I make money. In my role as a pastor. Yes. And I do not think it is necessarily fair for people to look me up and down and say. No. But people do this all the time. Like pastors shouldn't do X. Fill in the blank. Whether it's send your kids to private school. Have a really nice car. Have a really good house. Have a really good wardrobe. Like, you know, some folks, they don't wear a repeat. You know, it's like they break out their their button ups and you don't see it again because they keep wanting to do new stuff each and every week. Yeah. And I don't I. it's tough to say, like, hey, when I'm contributing money to the church, I don't want it to go to fund this person's whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. If somebody has been potential and I, I don't know if this is just me trying to excuse myself here, but. For example, I wanted those dumb Air Max shoes for like five years. Yeah. And I didn't get them for a long time, but it would really pain me if somebody saw me and made a quick judgment on, hey, dude, you're a pastor. You should be wearing crappier shoes than that. Also, I love that I've turned these shoes into they're not. They're <laughs> I'm not like cool you're not shoes. buying
0: thousands of dollars <laughs> no. worth of shoes. No. But still like I think to also me to like, me, they're
1: like, ooh, I love these Air Maxes. I gotta get I a new pair. I think there's
0: more to take into consideration because people know what you make. We're very transparent about finances.
1: Which is not the case in every church circle. No.
0: You're making a you're not making a crazy amount of money. It's not like
1: it depends on who you talk to. And okay. some some days, Tessa, if you talk to me, I would say, oh, I just, mm, I know. I don't love this. Because when you look around, you say, like, well, we're not a big community. You know, that's part of it too. It's like, oh, this person shouldn't be making that much money because they're only pastoring X amount of people. Whereas, pastor over on the other side of town is, you know, in charge of however many folks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we start stacking it that way. Like, oh, well, when you have, 80 people, then you can make this. Or when you have 150 people, then you can make that. It's just a weird metric because, you know, that that pastoral job is basically judged on how well you preach for 30 minutes a week. hmm And I think there's a lot of, because of the nature of the work, it's a, you shouldn't be spending your money on these things that I determine are frivolous.
0: Mm-hmm
1: you know there's a lot in there that's not fair well let's go let's let's put a pin in this cuz we're okay. going to come back to it cuz this whole text talks about this institutional church sort of stuff now yeah there is a difference between what the religious leaders are doing and preachers in sneakers mm-hmm. even though i got i got real issues with with that yep. um but as you can tell it's it's on it's on a level right that or it's on a spectrum where i got no problem with people in any context trying to trying to look nice yeah you know mm-hmm. within their means uh, i have my, i might have a hard time legitimizing a pair of shoes for that are like 500 to a 1000 bucks mm-hmm. but that's not my thing some people like that right you know i like baseball cards mm-hmm. and <laughs> i could spend 500 to a thousand dollars on a baseball card tomorrow mm-hmm. you know what i mean i mm-hmm. won't but it would be easy for me to do that right now these folks though it's not just about the seats of honor and the places of authority and and the cool robes and the whatever like wanting that acclaim it's they're the ones Jesus says who cheat widows out of their homes the the real the greek term there is they devour the homes of widows they eat up the homes of widows and tack on to show off They say long prayers, which I think now is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody's praying for a god-awful long time (laughs) and you think, that's cool?
0: No. No! I I also don't think like, oh, he's just trying to show his status by praying.
1: Now, okay. I went to seminary. And seminary, just to just to create an image for people, because when I was young and I heard a pastor in the pulpit saying, when I was in seminary, I immediately transported that man into a study carol wearing monk's robes, like for real. <laughs> okay. It's like a stone building and they're chanting and mm-hmm. he's lighting candles. You know what I mean? That's what I thought seminary was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Seminary is just like, it's graduate school for pastors Yeah, to help them prepare for an aspect of ministry it is not all of it it basically teaches you how to read the bible depending on the school that you go to Mm -hmm. and how to think theologically and maybe a little bit of counseling but it does not teach you how to do a budget it does not teach you how to deal with crazy people it does not teach you how to minister to folks in the darkest moments of their life most Mm -hmm. of the time. It does not prepare you for all of the things that you will see and experience. It does not prepare you for Facebook backlashes. It does not prepare you for any number of (laughs) real life things that you spend the majority of your time interacting with. Mm -hmm. Reading the Bible is small potatoes, but yet we spend four years focusing on that in our seminary experience. But while I'm there, there's this one professor and his prayers were insane, <laughs> like completely. No one other than the handful of people in his classroom would have had any freaking idea what he was saying. Like he's throwing out theological language that oh, is like the eschatological remnants of the. Oh I mean my like, gosh! Yeah, you're thinking like, what the what? What's happening here? And it would it would be long, but at the end of it, it's not like. Whew. I'm impressed. Yeah, I was like what that? What are like, you doing? What was that? That was. You just uh, does word, God even know what you're talking vomited. about? Yeah, like would you just read some Carl Bart before you got <laughs> up here? And, which actually, there's no way on earth he would have been reading Carl Bart uh-huh. because Carl Bart was a bad, right, bad theologian in that specific environment. Banned. Okay, so anyway, I, I think that's funny to show off and say their long prayers. I give an assignment to anybody listening to this: volunteer to pray at your family's oh, Thanksgiving. No. And if you can just go as long as you can and see what happens, see the carnage that takes place as these people are like salivating over the, the, the deep fried turkey oh and all of the beautiful food. And you just great keep going. a social experiment. Yeah, just keep going.
0: Just to see. You're
1: thanking everything and everyone. When and
0: people hit their limits.
1: It's like the Academy Awards when the when yes. the up. Play strings off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We want to eat turkey. <laughs> Oh uh, man! Yeah, they will not think you're cool. But for some reason, Jesus is saying, "Yeah, these guys like to show off with their long prayers." And I want, I man, I wish I could just have Jesus across the day and be like, "What were you talking about here?" Mm-hmm. You know, like it was that a thing where everyone was just showing <laughs> off, and people were like, "Whoa, what a good one!" Yeah, you know, we were we were in prayer for 30 minutes, and I'm not sure if I fell asleep or if I was just you know ushered up into the heavens. But I, I blacked out there for a bit. But here we are.
0: It's funny that it's the length that is focused on, and not like the content.
1: I don't have the Greek text in front of me, so I'd like to see what that is. But I'm, I'm sure that this is probably a decent translation, and that's that's what they're going for. Yeah, the long prayers. But there's also a bit in Matthew, I think it's chapter five. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's either chapter five or chapter six, where they're talking about people that like to, you know, put word after word. Like they have these long, gaudy prayers. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a. In their – I think in Matthew it's like in their mind that's really cool. It doesn't say anything about the people that are listening that are mm-hmm. probably wanting this person to shut up mm-hmm. and just get on with their day. But, yeah, so there seems to be So maybe something. it says
0: more about like the importance that they hold in their own Oh, mind. I mean you can picture it. Like these people want to hear me.
1: You can picture it. Yeah. Because these are the folks in their long, feastal garments. Uh-huh. Just waiting for people to, to flock to them in the marketplace and kiss the ring and bow down like, oh, uh, lo- Lord, thank you so much for being in our presence. Would you <laughs> like to buy some hummus? You know, oh, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. Sounded right. It's, yeah, sure. But, you know, so they're definitely thinking, and if not, um, the people want this, mm-hmm. I need to give it to them. Right. You know, cuz sometimes you're in a situation where it's like I don't I don't even care what they I'm going to bless
0: them yeah. with my presence gonna, and my words.
1: Right. Oh gracious God of the <laughs> heavens with your eschatological like does that sort uh-huh. of ridiculousness. Yikes. But the the main bit there is they're the ones who cheat widows out of their homes. They devour the homes of widows. They they eat up the homes of widows. And this is so strange because priests are dependent upon the people
0: mm-hmm.
1: for their let's say financial security
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the same way in the Old Testament that widows and orphans and foreigners were also dependent upon the generosity of the people for their financial sustainability mm-hmm. and yet here the the priests the scribes they have subverted the order and taken themselves up, a bit you can't Mm -hmm. see this podcast people but i've got my hands here and they're both open and one is going up higher than the other one Mm -hmm. they're like they're They're trying to tipping the scales they're tipping the scales they're climbing the ladder and they're saying we're not like you Mm -hmm. widow look at our garments right look at my jordans (laughs) look at the things that separate me from you look at my deep v oh boy right yeah it's interesting that every example that I just had, like, in my mind, is just these white men. Uh-huh. And I was wondering, like, what that would look like for the, you know, the the female pastor to, to be trying to do this. And maybe we could just say that they're not doing that because this is just a, a man thing. This is something that ridiculous people want to do, and the women pastors have, have subverted that entirely.
0: I can't speak to women pastors, but I can imagine, you know, a woman having designer stuff.
1: mm Joyce Meyer ain't showing up in no uh, no frumpy. You know what I'm saying? Mm.
0: <laughs> no frumpy. No.
1: Ain't no frumpy. She's got those designer business suits, you know? Power suits. That's I don't right. know. Sorry for the call out there. I was not trying to make that specific, but she was one of the first people that popped in my mind. Anyway, so the, the priests and the scribes are trying to subvert the order and separate themselves from these other people who need the generosity, and they're preying on the vulnerable how they're doing that, we don't really know. It, it could have been that they were charging excessive legal fees. It could have been that the scribes were functioning as the trustees of the widow's estate and, and doing some sort of extortion there or, or tanking their estates and, and taking the, the money in, in some way. They might have been um, utilizing the house and the contents of that the widows still had in payment for other debts. Uh, it might have just been that they were promoting and guilting widows into free will offerings to the temple, mm-hmm. right? So if the priests are dependent upon the the gifts of the people, then they might have just been pulling a move that many of us, I think, are familiar with, like the, the heartstrings of you better be.
0: Well, and a, a widow would have been in no position to deny them anything.
1: No, because it's a it's a power thing. It's a it's an authority thing. It's a, and we we hear about this a lot now. Um, gosh, I, I just immediately went to, and this 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 is this is off topic, but like a, a Me Too or a Church Too sort of movement where mm-hmm. you see the uh, the status of people and how that plays into, um those sorts of abuses of power Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or go to the morning show on Apple TV, like Steve Carell. He's in a position of power and authority and he is utilizing that to get what he wants and hurting and abusing a lot of people in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And we see that sort of stuff within church settings. We see that in, gosh, we see that sadly in in sexual assaults, but we also see that in other uh, manipulative ways such as guilt and, um, you know, trying to prey on people's emotions to get their money to go into the coffers to pay for all of the stuff that we think that we need mm-hmm. or maybe just to pay for the, the note on the building.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a massive monstrosity yeah. that is not going to pay for itself. No. So you need people to, to contribute to pay that and one's salary and the salary of all the people on staff so that you can continue in your mind to minister in the ways that you think the people need or want. Mm -hmm. And we see that sort of stuff happening. Jesus goes on to say, whatever the case, these people fancy robes, kiss the ring, places of honor, cheating widows out of their homes, and yes, saying long prayers, they will be judged most harshly. This takes us back to an Old Testament text in Isaiah chapter 10, where it says doom to those. That's the um, common English version's translation of a word that is elsewhere um, translated as woe, like doom to those who pronounce wicked decrees and keep writing harmful laws, which is what a scribe would have been doing. Doom to those who deprive the needy of their rights and rob the poor among my people of justice. They make widows their loot and they steal from orphans doom to those woe to those this is a this is a big deal and it comes up a lot in the old testament israel was given the duty to care for the vulnerable religious institutions however have a really bad track record of caring for the vulnerable which Mm -hmm. begs the question for our moment What is it about religious institutions that invite this sort of behavior? Oh, geez. Tessa's eyes were so big. So They're like, oh, no. Where's the third person in this podcast? How can I punt (laughs) this to somebody else? Because I don't know.
0: One of the things that I just thought of that I hadn't thought of previously was that these days a lot of the helping the vulnerable – Happens to be political in nature.
1: Tell me more. Um, be specific.
0: I mean, I think with, like, the stuff that's happened on the border. Okay. Between the U.S. and Mexico. Um, I don't know. It just seems that there's a lot of politically charged ways to help. Politically charged um, issues. Yep. Where there are opportunities to help the vulnerable. Yep. But the church either takes a strong political stance in some cases on the side that
1: they're either going left yeah. liberal or they're going right conservative. Yeah. So like
0: Or or there are cases where they don't want to be political and so they're just sort of hands off.
1: Which is now listen, listen. I've got I've got pretty pointed political views Yes. On any number of issues, right? But it is insane to me mm-hmm. that when we see children in cages, and he, listen, folks, I'm not saying who set up the cages, right. when did this happen. I don't. The fact I don't that care. there are
0: kids in cages, right? That's
1: whether the that's Obama, whether that's Trump, doesn't matter to me. The fact that the kids are existing apart from their families mm-hmm. in cages. A Jesus move is to give a shit about that. Yes. Right? Yeah. And yet we are scared to do that because it's a political thing. Right. I, I remember I posted something on Facebook about this issue in particular, about the kids at the border. And I got some pushback saying, you can't talk about this. This is pushback outside of TRP. You can't talk about this because it's a political Issue, mm-hmm. which if that's the case, what are we supposed to talk about?
0: Right. Often political issues, quote was, unquote political issues, are actually human issues. I
1: was going to say flowers and rainbows, but can't talk about rainbows. No. You God know? forbid you talk about a rainbow. <laughs> it, it, but it's, it, we've we've taken all of the Jesus-y stuff that exists in the world, and it's been reduced to a partisan political issue, mm-hmm. which is deeply frustrating yeah so yeah you do have churches that will remain silent because they don't want to infringe upon the personal politics of the people in the seats
0: or that but also they're depending on the people in the seats to to they don't want to lose their Mm. congregations because of stances they make
1: i'm gonna say something that is really terrible okay play into the base like you know who exists in the seats, yeah, and you don't want to upset the balance, mm-hmm. so you fear pushing people beyond yeah their level of comfortability
0: mm-hmm.
1: an easy example that that is also very complex is any of the stuff we saw in the summer of 2019 time is a vortex 2020 2020? George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, like all of these issues surrounding police and people of color. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it was such a, it was such a landmine for people to navigate that because they have officers in the seats mm-hmm. they have people of color that they care about but it became this thing that it was so difficult for people to talk about and that's a that's a tough place to be my my uh my advisor always said you can't be a prophet on the payroll mhm so you're getting that paycheck and you say something that will offend or hurt or be viewed as a potentially political issue mhm You know, like saying something really insignificant like we grieve with the family of George Floyd should not be a political issue. No. It just shouldn't. No. But in our context, it often is because then it becomes a anti this statement or a pro that statement. Also, let's just let's let's just call a spade a spade. Here we go. Um saying Black Lives Matter should not be viewed as a political statement. Right. But even as the words are coming out of my mouth, some people might say very quickly, but it's a political movement. Uh All right. Okay. But also when did we get to this place where it was overly political to affirm the dignity and self-worth of of human beings mm-hmm. when did that become like an either or sort of scenario now now this i i think this factors into to our application of this text maybe in the sense of you know we've got some religious leaders that are devouring the the homes of the vulnerable but i think that this might be a more of a subtle example of of that you know in not being able to address certain issues and there's there's more overt instances of this too where churches or religious institutions will actively oppress or abuse or manipulate
0: i mean people who are coming into churches are are looking for something whether that's a way to live their life or um guidance on how they should be spending their money And so I think that the church is often in a position where people are already asking the question of how they should be spending their time or money or resources. So there's already this power dynamic when people are coming into a space and asking questions and looking for answers that they think the church can give them and the church does in many cases.
1: Yeah. And the church knows that too. Mm -hmm. And it becomes internalized by a lot of people where it's, Oh, I'm my voice. My voice is important. Yeah. And I can provide the answers. And there's a lot of privilege that comes with that. But sometimes there's this, whether it's willful or just sort of it's become what it is. There's this manipulation that happens, uh, Specifically around finances and um, maybe sexual ethics. Like, there's just a lot of these things that, you know, the hierarchy at the top says, this is what you can and cannot do.
0: Yeah. And people sometimes are looking for, like, what do I need to do to be good? To be, like, yeah, to be okay.
1: Give me the boxes to check so that I can mm-hmm. check it so that and I can.
0: guilt in there, too, that so much. plays in so many different. Yeah. So, Aspects.
1: what is it about religious institutions that invite this sort of behavior? It's like it's baked in. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. Like as a as a minister sitting here, how can how can we avoid that? I don't know. I mean, I like to think that the way that we approach things—I'm talking specifically at at TRP here—is conversations instead of monologues. Mm-hmm. You know
0: not pretending we have all the answers. Oh gosh,
1: we don't have many of them. Even even this one's like we don't it's it's difficult to
0: I think being transparent about finances is attributes to to
1: being What about this though? Like can we get Frank here? Sure. Frank, come on in.
0: He's <laughs> been it? waiting downstairs. <laughs> He's been waiting downstairs for his moment.
1: Money is one of those things that's so hard to talk about. Yes. And we're $11,000 in the red. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's like we got needs Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that go beyond. I mean, it's not, I'm not talking my salary. It's just like TRP existing in the world Mm -hmm. and the finances around that is its own certain thing. But even like on Sunday and even now, like just talking about it it makes me feel so smarmy Mm -hmm. because of the experiences that we've had with like a text like this. Which Where where it goes is after Jesus just completely eviscerates these religious leaders, he sits down across from the collection box in the temple treasury, and he observes how the crowd gives their money. Rich people are throwing in lots of stuff. So in the temple, there's these 13 boxes uh, shaped like trumpets where people would put in offerings. Six of those 13 boxes are for free will offerings. Think of it like it's going into the general fund. Mm-hmm. And so people, when they have extra extra money, or you know they they want to contribute to the temple complex, they go in and they put their free will offerings in. Jesus is looking at this happening. Rich people are throwing in lots of money. This is a, a festival time. This is around the Passover, so there's a lot of people in Jerusalem. There's a lot of people. Paying their temple tax, there's a lot of people buying sacrificial animals, and there's a lot of people giving free will offerings. And rich people are dumping in buckets of money. Mm-hmm. You know, the example I used was going to food line, and somebody's using Coinstar, mm-hmm. and you just take that bucket of change and you dump it in. Like Kate and I have just a
0: the container that's sitting on your counter. Yeah, your counter we, or we have
1: a we have a a, a vase, mm-hmm. and it's just filled with change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we probably won't go to food line because they take a cut. You know, Coinstar yeah, takes a cut. They sure do. So just get those rollers and roll them out yourself. But, you know, they would take that and just dump it in. So it's loud. It's obtrusive. That's why like, there's
0: a national coin shortage. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> everybody's buckets or yeah, their, or their cup holders their in counter. their cars. You know, the, mm-hmm. it's got too much. Yeah. Um, but so what's happening is rich people are giving lots of money. And then a poor widow comes forward and puts in two small copper coins that are worth a, a penny uh, in the English translation. And then Jesus says, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than everyone who's been putting money into the treasury. What usually gets used in churches is, be like the widow. Mm-hmm. Give until it hurts. We have to pave the parking lot, and we need you to fund it.
0: Yeah.
1: We want a new building, and we need you to go above and beyond. We need your pledge money for sound and lights. We need to like fill in the blank. Yep. Whatever we're doing. And it's this text that gets carted out to say, oh, be like her, give until it hurts. Mm-hmm. We need your money. And ah like, okay, so TRP. Uh, we do. We we need we, yeah. we need <laughs> some, we need some of your money in the sense of uh, you know, we we've we've spent more than we have brought in yes so at that rate the savings is going to drain
0: we're just trying to be a church <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah we're, just we, trying we're not exist. trying to build any buildings yeah. we're not trying to we're not trying to get smoking lights we're no. just trying to be in the world yes um but like i i don't want to use this passage as therefore go and you'll see people around right now with the yeah. with the Kentucky Fried Chicken Buckets and they're just passing it around <laughs> and whatever whatever bills or change you have, just dump it on in. Like uh-huh. that's an abusive use of the text, in yeah. my in my best opinion. It's, that's part of the that's part of what we're talking about. The religious institution is using something to lord it over them to mm-hmm. get a specific response. And the way this usually happens is the widow does what Jesus says is right, therefore you should do what's right too. Mm-hmm. And what we don't talk about, Tessa. What do we not talk about? What we don't talk about is how weird this is, mm-hmm. because Jesus has just spent chapters railing on the institution of the temple
0: making this a den of you're
1: making it a den of but thieves but look at her give yeah. all she
0: has and that's
1: it within a 24 hour period uh-huh. he's flipping tables on Monday according to Mark and again this is, this is stylized this is shape but in Mark's yeah. retelling He's flipping tables, and then the next day he sits down after being so frustrated with the religious leaders and their stupid little robes and their their desire to be important, their sneakers, whatever. They're devouring the houses of widows, and then he looks over and he sees a widow giving her last two freaking cents and says, she gets it.
0: Right. It's so Weird. Why does he want her to give everything she has to this institution that he's clearly not supporting? Now look,
1: this is the thing. I believe that the best, and again, this is Mark sort of cobbling something together. Mm -hmm. I think the best way to read this is to affirm a traditional reading. He does seem to be excited about this woman's heart, Mm -hmm. about her devotion. Maybe not to the temple necessarily, but just... She understands sacrifice. Who else, Tessa, in the Bible, understands sacrifice? And who will understand it three days from now in Mark's structure? Jesus. Jesus, the correct answer, always Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's this, this tie between she gets it, I get it, she's like me, I'm like her, we need more people like her who give, not not until it hurts, but they, they give... To things that they care about because they, because they can, even if she might have bills to pay. Like there's a, there's a beauty in that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But for most people, I think, listening to this passage, they might think, dang, Jesus, why aren't you stopping her? Mm -hmm. why are you saying no 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 no? you keep those two small copper coins which are worth nothing they're worth one sixty-fourth of a day's wage
0: Mm -hmm. and here take this bucket of (laughs) coins from this thieves table yes
1: like a robin hood scenario yes um he but he doesn't do that Mm -mm. he watches it and he he praises her her heart her devotion to a temple complex that he's spent a lot of time saying the they don't seem to get it
0: but he never talks directly to her does he
1: no he just looks and says he see
0: talks to the disciples
1: yeah now here's a different way to read that again i i think the best way is to see jesus as praising this woman for all of the good qualities but as it's placed in this moment in the gospel of Mark, you have to at least engage the potential that this story is providing a negative example, not of the, not of the widow, Mm -mm. but of the religious leaders devouring the houses of widows. So much so that this one in particular is putting in two copper coins. It says that it's her entire life that she puts in, uh, All of them, Jesus says, are giving out of their spare change, the rich people. But she, from her hopeless poverty, has given everything she had, even what she needed to live on. Uh, The the Greek there is it's even her whole life that she's giving here. So what Jesus could be saying is she's providing an example of power-hungry religious leaders devouring the house of a widow, and everything that I've just said to you, disciples, is playing out before our eyes. She's one of the widows being devoured by the priest, being extorted, being duped, being manipulated, so much so that she gives her last few coins to this institution that I have just spent some time flipping tables and being in meaningful discourse with the religious leaders to say, you do not understand. Mm -hmm. It's such a weird juxtaposition.
0: I mean, can it be both? Could it be like, I mean, he doesn't speak directly to her. So it's kind of like, you're good. You're giving with the right attitude. You're giving generously. And then turns around and say, look at this person that you're taking advantage of. Who is giving generously. Yeah.
1: Look, look, the gem. We've just turned the gem. Uh-huh. Full circle. We, full <laughs> circle. We didn't even know it. No, we didn't. One one light refraction is mm-hmm. look at this woman and model yourself after her. Mm-hmm. What I'm not saying here is model yourself after her and give more than you have mm-hmm. to a church capital campaign with the hopes that you'll get a check in your mailbox from god now hear me i know enough stories to know that that kind of stuff happens you give when you don't have and god blesses you in weird ways Mm -hmm. i I believe it Mm -hmm. i've seen it um i don't know if i've experienced it necessarily which is that a is that a damnation on me or God? I'm not sure.
0: I'm going to say neither. Come on, God. <laughs> I'm going to say give neither on that Give me some checks.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Neither. Um, So I'm not going to discount that. But for any minister who's standing in front of you, imploring you to give when you have a heating bill that you need to pay and you should just trust God to pay your heating bill so that you can pay for a, a, a tacked on gymnasium at your yeah. church. Get out of my face. Yeah. i I got issues with that. I'm an angry person, but that kind of stuff, I got, also hear me, I've got no issues with a gymnasium being tacked onto a church. Sure. Men's basketball league. That's great. Yeah. Whatever. Just don't manipulate your people Mm -hmm. to give beyond what they have when they need to pay for their heat or their food or for their kids' medical care. Don't do that. You're devouring the houses of widows, right? Right. Now you could turn, but and you could turn that to also see another refraction, another catch of, of light, which is kind of where we were just landed there. You know, it's this, she's good. She's, she's giving her heart is in the right place, but damn you. If you try to get a gymnasium from her,
0: mm-hmm.
1: forget that that's not what it's about. And I think that Jesus might be hitting two birds with one stone here. So after we talked about this on Sunday, um, Marnie, one of our dear friends and congregants of TRP, she shared a post with me from Father James Martin, who is fantastic, Um, and he had a Facebook post about this that I had not seen, and he's referring to some, uh, some scholarly articles that made this conclusion about this particular passage says, when interpreted as a cause for lament, the widow's actions would illustrate the perils of institutional religion, whereby the temple establishment manipulated this generous woman into parting with what little she possessed. At the very least, this is by uh, two guys named Donahue and Harrington, and they're uh, writing some commentary stuff on the Gospel of Mark. They say, at the very least... Attention to the context of the book of Mark leaves open whether the widow is presented as a model to be imitated for her generosity or as someone to be pitied as the victim of religious exploitation. Woo! <laughs> that, and, and that in a nutshell, is like you got the gem that is the Bible and the light catching different refractions, like different cuts of the, of the stone to give you different rays of light and both are good mm-hmm. and both are worth your consideration. So maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking how can I be more like the generous widow? I'm not I, I don't I'm not going to answer that for yeah. you. I will say that we live in a in a world now where people are so jaded towards giving to the local church that that usually gets written off. And listen, if you happen to be in a church situation Where you don't want your money to go to certain things that are happening. Like, you don't want a multi-million dollar facility. You don't... That's just not who you are. Maybe, Tessa, can we say... Then... Maybe that's not the place for you. Yeah, I was gonna say if you're
0: at a place where you don't trust what they're doing with the money that you're giving or with the money other people are giving, and you're not giving because you don't trust them, you're probably not in the best.
1: Yeah, it's a tough place, place to be for you. Yeah. That's that's a that's a tough scenario. But I also know a lot of folks who are so who struggle with this so much that it's like they have no problem giving to beautiful 501c3s, beautiful mm-hmm. nonprofits, people that are doing the real work on the ground, and they want to contribute to that. I would also say maybe consider your religious community as another 501c3 that's doing Which good work that should are. exist in the in the world. Yeah, and I wasn't just talking about us. I'm okay. just being okay. well. I just mean in general because. Um, you know, wherever you are and whatever you're, you're doing, like if, if you're a part of a faith community, then there's also a need for finances there, but yeah, dig into it. If, if your church is into a lot of stuff that, that you struggle with, or you think reeks of the institutional church that has harmed people or manipulated people or whatever, then factor that, that in, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, also along with that, the gem should turn so that we consider, uh, and again, it's tied to this, the level of abuse within religious institutions. One of the things that keeps coming up for me in these conversations is with a lot of people that that I, I would call dear friends, that we, we, we track together, we think a lot of the same thoughts, we're after a lot of the same things, like the justice work in the world that needs to be done, the rehabilitation of the gospel message of Jesus so that it's not a fear-based manipulation of do this or else you'll burn in hell for all of eternity, but Jesus becomes compelling. And they have been so hurt and harmed by churches in their past, they want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so, where this discussion went on Sunday, it went in two different directions. On on one level, I'm a pastor, like I'm I'm biased. I've got skin in the game, mm-hmm. and, and that's heartbreaking because I want these people desperately to be part of our community, mm-hmm. not because we want numbers, but because they're awesome freaking people, and they could they could benefit us so much. Did I say that right? Like we would benefit from them being in we our would presence. Benefit from, yes. And hopefully it would be, you know, reciprocal, but I'm just thinking, man, they're.
0: And on some level, like they, it's, I don't know, the kind of community that I think we cultivate is, it's not something I've found anywhere else. That
1: we try to. Yeah. I pause there because I know it hasn't worked for everybody in the past and that's, that's heartbreaking for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. like all the, some of the people that we invite into this community they don't feel they don't feel it in their bones you know it and that's man that's tough but like as a as a minister like i i, I believe in christian community and i think that the church has an opportunity to be that mm-hmm. even if some of them have been heinous in the past
0: yeah.
1: i'd love to to argue that that doesn't mean that all of them are terrible.
0: Right. And I know that it's it's hard sometimes to not let your past experience ruin every other church for you. But I think we've also seen a lot of cases where people have had crazy bad experiences in the past, and there's been healing, I yes. think.
1: Yeah, that's good. The other part of that is, like, not as a pastor— and, and Caitlin brought this out in a really beautiful way. There's such a, like a, a humility, um, an honor when you're sitting across the table from somebody that shares their pain about the institutional church and how they've landed where they are. And the fact that they're trusting you with that Mm -hmm. is so good. Yeah. The end of that conversation shouldn't be <laughs> well, maybe you should check out TRP because yeah. we're so different. Maybe <laughs> you should just jump right back in. That's dumb. Mm-hmm. The voice I was making and also the point yeah. I was making. It's just be honored by being invited into that space.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I do hope, like I've got some some friends that I'm thinking of in particular, and we've had those conversations over and over and over. And like I've been invited into that space, and I and I honor it and I love it, and I'm proud to be a part of that but at some point there does come like hey let's let's put a hand on the small of the back and say come on
0: yeah
1: time time to time to come back Mm -hmm. because you might need all of us Mm -hmm. not just me not just this little coffee meeting but you might need more people yeah in your life so that when the stuff hits the fan we will be there yeah It's a tough text. Mm -hmm. It's tough to talk about because it's about money. It's tough to talk about because it's about the abuses of the religious institutions that I've seen. That I have sat across the table and heard people's stories. They are atrocious. They are difficult. And it puts... Sadly, it puts Jesus on the hook when it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus is not a fan of that. We see that here. You know? He says, this stuff is garbage. And I think he might also be saying, your sneakers are stupid. (laughs) And maybe some of your building projects are stupid. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of the ways that you've turned this into whatever is just like the den of thieves that the religious institution in the first century turned the temple into. Mm -hmm. And doomed to you, bro. Yeah. Or sis. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) whoo, that's tough. But, like, don't look at your church hurt and say Jesus doesn't care. He clearly does because this is what he's after. We just sadly manipulate this text into a give us your money and don't pay your heating bills.
0: Which I think is how I've always heard this text. I have a distinct memory of, I guess my mom hadn't come to church with us one Sunday for some reason. I don't know why. And I remember calling her on the way home and retelling this story to her. And I think it's always been... I mean, the way that giving opportunity, quote-unquote opportunities are always, or not always, but often presented in churches or in college ministries um, is like a give over and above what you
1: That's That's a literal phrase that is used. Yeah. Give until it hurts. Yep. Give beyond your means. Mm-hmm. And here, I'm. I'm not trying to put God on the hook. God can bless you, and yep. God does bless you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when somebody goes old school and says, "Test me in this," that's Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Test me in this. Don't pay for your bills because I'll cover them. You pay for this ministry. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. That's just uh, man. Mm-mm. You you won't hear that from me because I don't think that's what it's after. Be generous when you can be generous. Be generous, and maybe it'll hurt you a little bit because the thing that you're contributing to is worth it. Don't ever let people use that as a manipulation to get you to contribute to something that's just not, who cares? Mm
0: -hmm. You know? It makes me so mad that it's used in that way. Yeah. And it often is.
1: Too often. Well, once again, Tessa, we have it all figured out. Yep. And I am just so glad that we are two smart people who can uh, figure out all of just, the intricacies of the of the Bible. Just on a Tuesday, you, just, you know. Just you know, just figuring just it a, out. On a Tuesday morning, much like this was a Tuesday morning in Mark's structure of the exactly. gospel. Exactly. Excellent, excellent, Full excellent. Circle. All right, people, so if you've got questions, thoughts, comments, we would love to hear them.
0: Yes, we so would.
1: So, if you're on SoundCloud, you can drop a comment. If you're on Facebook, you can drop a comment. If you're somewhere else, you can drop comments.
0: Or say a prayer. Whatever. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, And uh, next week, we'll be hearing... We'll, we'll have Susie in the booth with us.
1: Susie P. in the booth. Um, and then the week after that, we'll have Colin in the booth as well. So gosh if, if you've made it this far and you're still listening uh check out our socials we're gonna be doing some fun stuff here in the near future other than that peace love equality, equality. <laughs> no i wish i could be cool enough to say that but i can't you've so, said it several times so before. i'll say this instead see ya bye